0: have I got a short story for you. Once upon a time, a Fifth Amendment source income allowed Coke Cash to be laundered legally. And in large part, thanks to our friend George, that reality is now just a fairy tale. Oh, and the reality of your lawyer not being able to set you up? kind of disproves that as well. But first, this part or excerpt of The Getting to Know You pod is brought to you by AndrePsyche.com. Go to AndrePsyche.com for unique custom gifts that you're not going to be able to find anywhere else because he only sells his merch on his shop. That's AndrePsyche, P-S-Y-C-H-E, like Psyche.com. Go grab his poetry book, The Space Between Crescent Shadows. You can get a digital download or get that thing mailed to you. In fact, if you message him, not only will you get a life-changing promotional code. I bet he'll even write you your own little poem. Actually, you know what? Make that mandatory. Message him and say, hey, I heard on the Getting to Know You Pod that I will get my own poem handwritten to me if I bought your book. Do so now, sir. And he will. He's that great of a guy. Anywhere on his website, clothing, accessories, prints, original art, music, podcasts. I mean the dude's just creative. It oozes out. He perspires creativity. That's how I know he'll do it for you. So if you're tired of buying off of digital shelves where everything just seems manufactured as in like cookie cutter factory styled, not him, handcrafted, thought out products, his colorful and creative merch can be coming your way with one simple click on AndrePsyche.com. We are also brought to you by the Getting to Know You pod. That's this podcast you are listening to now. Did you know the pod is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram? Sure. Right now, as you're getting through this intro, just pull up whatever app you prefer. Search Twitter and Instagram, getting to know you pod. One word. Um, On Twitter, we actually don't have a G in the get it's getting i don't know why well i do know why but i don't want to get into that in an intro also subscribe and rate the pod on the platform that you are listening on just moves you on over there with your thumbs right now click five stars we appreciate it thank you for supporting the getting to know you pod and if you feel like the spirit is really moving you we could use some funds go to patreon.com and search getting to know you pod again that's all one word thanks and now getting to know part of you
1: hello
2: getting to know you getting to know
0: all about you
1: I'm gonna do a terrific show today
0: getting to like you getting to hope you like me
1: because I'm good enough
0: getting to know you putting it my way but nicely I'm smart enough. You are precisely
2: and doggone my it. cup of tea. You must have been the best money launderer bank guy in the world to have this much cash and it seemed legit. Like that or is that just like part of the time back then because with the without having the heavy digital stuff, they're not able to trace it as easily because you're doing more paper?
1: Yeah, I, remember, I so we're going back to seventy-seven, seventy-eight. There was no money laundering laws, and the fact is that cocaine oh. was not even in the DA radar. So the DA was focused on marijuana and heroin.
2: So there's no like there's no money laundering laws, which means you never had to explain why you have three million dollars all of a sudden.
1: No, a lot of those money laundering laws came because of what I did. <laughs> no, I mean literally, John. I mean, we were, I, I had bankers friends of mine. I would literally go into the bank whenever the bank closed. And uh, with, with, now that part about Scarface is true. We would go in there with grocery bags full of money and deposit it. And then from there, it would be deposited to a different form, number of bank accounts that I had created. But we did. And I, I give the guy, you know, uh, if I deposit a million dollars, I give him $10,000. Well, he, he probably makes $5,000 a year. Oh, so yeah. he like, call me up. When are you going to make the next deposit? So and the thing is, because I could justify the lifestyle I lived. I paid taxes. Right. You know, even when I was making millions, I was declaring millions. Right. I declare it as Fifth Amendment source income. Notice now oh. that that doesn't exist. Right?
2: Fifth Amendment source income. Like, I've heard of the Fifth <laughs> Amendment, but I'd never heard of Fifth Amendment source income.
1: Right. Which, Well, now it's not allowed, right? Because <laughs> Congress passed laws against it. But back then, it's like, okay— I can't tell you how to make the money because I have a Fifth Amendment right to not incriminate myself. Oh, my God. So take my money and don't worry about it. And they didn't even care. So I'll tell you you a neat story that happened in 79. So I get arrested in April, beginning of April 79. My tax uh, return is due April 15th. So we filed an extension. And then... I'm meeting, I, you know, I have a million dollar worth of attorneys, right? I have the best att- criminal minds in the world. So I hired this guy out of Washington named Austin Doyle. Cowboy comes in with cowboy boots. <clears throat> Talk like a redneck. Great guy. He had, rep- he had represented Nixon. And I'm like, what are we going to do? Because I got to file this tax return by October, the latest. And uh, if I file the tax return and I declare... They're going to use it against me. He's like, oh, easy, what we're going to do. I'm like, what? He said, okay, so let's sit down and figure out if they have been following you, how much money could they trace that you have spent? So I said, okay, so let's say that they see me spending a million dollars a year. He said, okay, let's declare $3 million. I said, all right. He does the tax return I owe you know, eight hundred, some thousand dollars whatever it was at that time. I don't remember. And he says, so which, you're going which, to give me the money <laughs> and you're going to file this tax return with me. And then I'm going to write a letter to the government, which he did, which the letter is still used today in the IRS Academy. And I'll tell you why I know. So he writes a letter and he says, my client is a drug dealer. My client has made millions last year. My client is declaring all his income. My client has filed a tax return with me. My client has deposited the tax debt with me. But I have advised my client under his Fifth Amendment right not to give you the tax return unless you will tell us that you will never use this tax return in any criminal proceeding that he has pending. Well, needless to say, they gonna do that, Right. <laughs> So we do, we file that, boom. They didn't do that. And man, I think like <laughs> seven, eight years go by or six. I don't know how many years. So I don't remember the note. Anyway, I get a letter from the IRS. According to our calculation, uh, you owe uh, $15,316 for 1979. If you agree, send us the money in a cashier's check and sign here. Man, I got that cashier's check so fast. I send it to them. <laughs> right? Did not agree. I did not sign it. So this is 79 tax return. So at the end, say 80. So I wait till 80, 81, 82, 83, 84, 85 till that the, the uh, statute of limitations run out. They never came back after me. I get the rest of the money from my attorney. Case closed. I get arrested in 1990 and they have a task force, right? Because what they wanted was my assets. Well, one of the task force members really great guy, IRS guy named James Ruca. He's like, Do you realize that we still use your letter in the IRS Academy? How the hell you got away with that? We still laugh about that. <laughs> so so that's uh
2: <laughs> Your your lawyer wrote to the IRS saying that he's a drug dealer and if you want him to pay taxes, like if you want to get a bunch of money from him, you just can't ever Make, get him in trouble for being a drug dealer. Here's the money. Like that was the agreement?
1: Yeah, the agreement was That's my client has filed a tax return. He's done everything he's supposed to do by law. Right. I'm his attorney. I'm telling him he cannot give it to you. He gave it to me and I'm not giving it to you, IRS. You tell me, you write me back and say, Mr. Doyle, we hereby affirm that we will not use that tax return against Mr. Valdez in any criminal proceeding. That's amazing. Right? So needless to say they're not going to agree to anything. I don't even know if they read the freaking letter. (laughs) But they did it. Because my defense was not that I wasn't innocent. My defense was, hey, I'm a a drug dealer. I'm the biggest drug dealer in the country. But here's the deal, fellas. I have a constitutional right to be tried where I committed my offense. I didn't commit no offense in Macon. I never even been there in my life. This airplane was not going to Macon. If you want to try me, you try me in Miami. And I knew that they couldn't. So that was my defense. And we, we were sure that we were going to win. I mean, I had the best. I had Gene Baker, who was a dean of law school at Harvard. Uh, Alan Dershowitz. I had everybody that you hear about. I spent over a million, million and a half wow. in, the, in 1979, 1980. And I lost every single damn appeal. Same thing with bail. I get arrested, I get to Miami, and they're like, the government's asking for a $7 million bond. And I'm looking around wondering who the heck they're talking about, right? (laughs) Definitely not a 23-year-old kid that has never had a traffic ticket in his life, right? And my attorney said, well, no, they're talking about you. I'm like, have they had it in mind? You know, first of all, I know enough about law, I'm going to be a lawyer, that the only reason that you do not give bail to someone is if they are a danger to the community. A murderer, not a drug dealer. And uh, and I'm like, how the hell? These people don't even know who I am. Little did I know that my attorney who was, you know, you tell your attorney everything. It was one of my closest friends, was just telling him everything, everything about me. You know, who I was, how many millions I was making. I mean, they were like in shock. Did
2: you find out why? Like why <coughs> yeah, the attorney they, was talking had, to them?
1: And, 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 and you know when I found out? Oh, man. That's another story. So let me fill the bond, so I'll tell you how I found out about that. <clears throat> that was <clears throat> unbelievable. So they're like, they said the bond is $2 million. I was going to make it, but my attorney said, you can't make it. My new attorney, because all, <clears throat> all they're waiting for you is to put up the money for that, and they're going to use that against you. So I'm in jail without bail. And uh, the, the reason the government justified it, and I had Alan Dershowitz was defend me on the bail, it got all the way up to Supreme Court. Is that the government said the level of drug dealing that Mr. Valdez deals in not only is he a danger to his community, he's a danger to the whole world. And uh, and I forgot which is, uh, Supreme Court justice says in this court's opinion, Mr. Valdez is a financial genius who can move all around the world. There's accounts all over the world that government doesn't know about. So anyway, <clears throat> they uh they denied my veil <clears throat> I never knew how where was all this coming from my second time around <clears throat> a guy comes another inmate trying to make a couple bucks says hey have you ever done a freedom of information I said no why he said don't you want to find out what happened in your case it, I mean it's been already enough years that they got to give it to you now I'm like <clears throat> what do I care I mean I'm doing the time that's not the matter I did the time he said, come on, man, I need a hundred bucks. So I'm like, all right, go ahead, file it for me. And he did, and I got it back. <clears throat> then one day, Sean, I'm sitting in my <clears throat> bunk reading through this, and the way they give you freedom of information, right? So they give you all the notes from the government, but they black out with a black magic marker, the name of anybody. Okay. That is of, of value to the government, like a witness or anything like that, right? Gotcha. So <clears throat> they talk about a conversation, and they and they and they black out one name, <clears throat> and left the other two names there. Well, I knew exactly who that other name was, you know. Mm. Then, then all the pieces started to fall like a jigsaw. Boom, boom, boom. Why did he not represent me? Why did he end up hiring another lawyer for me when I've been paying him hundreds of thousands of dollars a month? That in case me or any of my people get in trouble, he's to represent us, you know? Right. Never never knew any of that, you know? And then guess what, brother? <clears throat> I'm being transferred from Atlanta to Miami, and uh, I have to go ahead and put my name in the phone list to use the phone. And who is right in front of me? My attorney, Mel Kessler. <laughs> okay. Okay. He had, finally, he had finally got busted again because the guy was crooked as all can be. Greatest, greatest drug lawyer in the 70s <clears throat> in Miami. Anyway, he sees me, and he thought he saw a ghost. <laughs> He's like, I'm dead. I'm dead. So he went to hug me. I moved back. I said, don't hug me. I said, I'll go to you. After you sign the name, I'll sign my name, and I'll go see you in your room. So he just knew. I mean, he just knew that that's it. He had minutes left. You know how much power I had. <clears throat> 100 bucks, would have, I could have had anybody just shanking right there. So I went there, and I mean, he was like shaking, sweating. And I'm like, Mel, you don't have to worry about it, man. I'm a Christian. I forgive you. Wow. I said, you know, but for the rest of your life, you're going to worry, looking behind your back. Because see, he knew what happened when I found out. I called the attorney, Marty Weinberg, that represented me, and I said, I know who... Told on me, and he's like, "Who?" And I said, "Mel Kessler." Well, Mel is the one that hired Marty, right? And he's like, "Impossible." I said, "I said Marty, I have it here on the Freedom of Information." So I'm sure he told Mel two years before I run into him. You know. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm like, "You don't have to worry about it." And then he says, "He says, listen, I got cancer. I got probably less than six months to live." And he did. He died of cancer in prison. Oh wow. And he said, uh, "I'm sorry." They had me, and you know, I don't know. I got blinded, and and I and I turn you in. So I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm a Christian now. <clears throat> God's forgiven me. <clears throat> you probably did me. <clears throat> Sorry about that. That's alright. <clears throat> yeah,
2: you've been talking a lot. It's okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he said, "I said, I said, you actually probably gave me, did me the biggest favor in the world." Because when I went to prison the world changed and, and the people I left in charge of the cartel, they went in uh, and they were doing like like horrific things. And I've now become an expert on the subject I like most.
2: Getting to know you.
0: Huge thanks to George for um <laughs> so weird to say, but sharing um, money laundering insights. How fucking jealous are you that Fifth Amendment source income? (sighs) Gone. Poof. Vamooshed. Son of a bitch. Man, and a lawyer flipping on a client? What the fuck? Anyway, also thanks to AndrePsyche.com for sponsoring the Getting to Know You pod. Check out his website for trippy unique merch that's psychedelically worth checking out. Please follow friends, subscribe, rate the Getting to Know You pod wherever you can. And if you are moved by that financial charitable spirit of yours, go to patreon.com, search Getting to Know You pod to help us
1: make some money. We appreciate it. Vaya con Dios, hermanos.